Nights with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Hello and welcome to Life Beats with me, Sally Musa. And Wal Sayer. Today, we are celebrating International Women's Day and we are about to meet a powerhouse who is out to change the game for women here in the UAE, particularly in male-dominated sectors. Haif Zamzam al-Hamadi is one of this country's leaders in the energy sector and she is here to tell her story of reaching for the stars, equality for women and so much more. All of that is coming up here on Life Beats on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. Live Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. An equal world is an enabled world, and this International Women's Day and every day, we here on Life Beats are challenging stereotypes, fighting bias, broadening perceptions, and celebrating women's achievements for a gender equal world. And the woman you're about to meet is doing all of that and more. Hailing from Sharjah and taking her talents and passion for business and leadership to the capital, Haif Samzam al-Hamadi is blazing a path that sees her as one of this country's rising stars in the energy sector and in business. And as Vice President of Transformation and Business Support and Adnog's Marketing Supply and Trading Function, she is very passionate about the socio-economic development of women in the world with an emphasis on women right here in the GCC. Haif Zamzam al-Hamadi, welcome and happy International Women's Day. Thank you very much, Sally, and happy International Women's Day to everyone listening to us today. Yeah, th- this is uh, important because it's not just for the women. Yep. You know, it, this is f- for everyone to, to kind of, uh, you know, take this moment, take this day and to really reflect on what all of this means. And we're just so pleased to have you. Um, this is really interesting. We want to talk about your story and where it kind of all started um, for you as somebody who is very much seen as a leader in, in business and energy in this country. Mm-hmm. Where did it all start for Haif? Because uh, you are somebody who has this incredible confidence. You are somebody who's out there to, to get what you want, um, you know, without any hesitation, which I love so much. So. Talk to us about where it all started. Sure. Um, so again, thank you very much for having me today. I think that when I when I reflect and think about my career, I can't think about my career as its um, its own time period. I really do have to acknowledge, of course, all of the um, like everything that happened before the start of my career, everything that happened before I went to university. And that's really how I was raised in my family. So I come from a family where it was majority men. Um, I have three brothers, uh, my parents, of course, and we were raised outside of Sharjah, so we were raised in in the capital. Um, And the, the idea there was that my parents, from a very, very, very early age, thought that, um, there is no difference between my son and my daughter. Uh, Haith could do whatever her brothers could do. They were all, we were all in the same school. Uh, we were all taught the same values. We were all given the same responsibilities. Uh, there wasn't anything that I had to do because um, I was the, the young woman. There wasn't anything that I wasn't allowed to do because I was a young woman. So I think that that really set the stage for how I was uh, perceiving the world around me, but also how I was reacting to it. You know, so um, I've never, I've never really. Um, I, I think I owe, I owe them a lot, of course. And when I went to university and I studied uh, finance and uh, economics in American University of Sharjah, um, 
I looked around and I realized that there weren't many women in in class with me, and I thought that that was a little bit unfortunate. But I think it's like fi- that the finance industry was usually seen as more male dominant. Um, and I started to speak to a lot of girls that were that were considering it and never really took the step into it. And I said, listen, well, I'm doing finance. It's I mean, it's not the easiest thing to study, but why are you going to study something that's easy? Why are you going to study something that you feel that you already know? Um, so I think that through, so I know that throughout my my undergrad, there were at least a couple girls that I kind of converted to the side of, of finance, which was super exciting for me as well. You don't have this thing. I, I love from the very beginning, you know, from when you were little, you had experiences that really pushed you into places that were awkward, that were difficult, that were uncomfortable. Um, you know, one of the things that kind of stands out for me in your story was uh, moving to California with your parents uh, when you were quite young and how that shaped you. So talk to us a bit about that. Sure. So I was I was really young when, when we were in uh, California. My dad was doing his master's. My mom was continuing her studies as well. And I remember just thinking, like, I mean, in hindsight, of course, I, I was thinking that the fact that both my parents were studying, it wasn't just my dad and my mom was sitting at home taking care of us. Uh, I think that really also, again, started to shape what um, I thought of as the typical Arab family or the typical Emirati family. Uh, so, I mean, growing up in growing up for the, the two to three years that I was in the U.S., when we came back, I think people generally thought that we were a little bit different. So they weren't really questioning why I was um, you know, playing with the boys or running around at school and in the same school as my brothers. So I feel like people just kind of thought, well, oh, these are these are the Zamzam kids. Like they're a little bit different, anyways. So um, I think it allowed me to um, to kind of live the way that I wanted to live. You know, and I, again, I do really much, uh, very much appreciate that. Um, the idea is, I think that um, at least I try to be quite unapologetic when I when I do what I do, especially if um, in my mind it could potentially be perceived as something that's not okay for for women to do. Um, I just generally do it and then I ask like, well, why would it have been awkward for another woman to to do so, you know? and I think it at least gets it gets the conversation going with people. Mm, absolutely. And, you know, something that, that I want to ask you about as well is um, when you came to, to, to the moment where you were going to study at university, a lot of your friends were going overseas. They were going to U.S. universities. They were going to the U.K. as well. You decided to come back to your roots, to a U.S. So talk to us about making that decision on why Sure. So um, when when I was applying for university, I was quite young. I mean, I was 16 years old, and I think generally people are around that age. But I was on like in full transparency, I was terrified of the concept of going abroad. Um, my my late brother as well was in the American University of Charge at the time, so I felt well if he's there. I mean, I don't really want to go abroad, and I, it was always kind of a situation where wherever he was, I'd kind of end up as well. So um, he was starting out in the American University of Sharjah. Uh, I remember my parents, in a way, kind of just coaxing me to apply abroad. Uh, I did, and I did get into pretty good schools, uh, but I made the decision, the conscious decision, to um, study at American University of Sharjah. Um, one, because, of course, I mean, I wanted to kind of come back home. Uh, I also wanted the opportunity to uh, practice my Arabic, which I'm <laughs> very happy about today, um, and just to really get to know people from my community a, a lot, mo- a, in a lot more of a closer and more intimate way. Um, so I think for the four years, it was it was definitely the choice that I I'm very happy that I made. 
I think hey, if you make a you make a wonderful point. Uh, and and Sally was uh, asking about how many people in your position would be actively seeking to go study abroad. Uh, but I think hey, if you make a wonderful point that it is sort of not one size fits all. And if your requirements are locally based, and obviously with all the wonderful infrastructure of the American University of Sharjah and all its uh, subsidiaries, uh, to, to, to almost pioneer a self-honesty within yourself, despite having the full ability to go study abroad, having to choose something locally based that did, in fact, make you international in itself. Uh, so can you possibly speak to us about how other people in your situation uh, might benefit from th- those that are thinking of going abroad, but having the full facilities to have uh, what they seek uh, locally? Sure. I think I think you, you said it perfectly, which is it's not a one-size-fits-all when it comes to universities, when it comes to schooling. Um, the idea is, that, of course, especially Sharjah has such incredible um, infrastructure and it has such incredible educational institutions. Um, going back and... and I'm so proud of being from Sharjah because this is essentially the education hub, right? Um, And I think people sometimes forget that there are such great educational opportunities here. So the way, at least for me, and I think that many people like me who did end up in the American University of Sharjah or institutions similar to um, AUS in in Sharjah, um, it was very much that they were coming from an international background. So the school that I was in was very international. Uh, There was only one or two other Emirati families there. So what I was yearning for was that connection to um, my hometown. It was the, the connection for um, like with my Arab roots was really what I was kind of trying to find. So again, I think that you you generally know when, when it comes to big decisions in life, you generally know what fits for you. Um, it's definitely not going to be easy, like whichever university people end up in, it's not an easy ride. Uh, so you just need to kind of make the decision and go through with it. I think that I'm also kind of a stubborn individual, which is if I make a decision where I feel like a year or two into it that um, probably this isn't what I wanted to do, I'll pretend it was. Like, I'll just be like, I'll swallow my pride and just be like, this is definitely what I wanted to do. (laughs) But I think that that's also been, it's worked for me um, as an individual. We have to come back in in just a moment with you, uh, Haif, and talk about Um, The fact that you refuse to let anyone tell you what you can and can't do. And I think this is uh, one of the things that uh, everyone really needs to hear. More to come with Haif Zamzam Al-Hamadi next. Pulse 95. Live Beats with Sally Musa Only on Pulse 95. Haif Zamzam Hamadi is here telling her story for International Women's Day. Happy International Women's Day to everyone, to all women. We're acknowledging that the incredible effort and the incredible things that all women are doing every single day, even those who don't get celebrated. Uh, they're the ones who are working in the background and who are supporting us and helping us every single day as well. But we're very much delving into your story, Haif, and we're so glad that you're here uh, because I think there's a part to your story which when I heard, I was like, this is this is a lesson for everyone because we're talking about you going into uni, uh, going to AUS. You kind of applied for a few different things. I think architecture was one of them and finance was another. And yeah. you got into finance. So tell us what happened there. Sure. So... Um in, when I was graduating high school, 
uh, we had essentially done a few like quizzes and little tests to tell you what um, you should be going into for university. And annoyingly so, I would always just be smack in the middle, whether it was like a more creative field or a more like, quote unquote serious field, I would say. Uh, and it, it kind of drove me mad that I, I it wasn't like the, the quiz wasn't telling me what I should be when I grow up, you know. So when I started to apply, I actually I put together three applications. Like you said, it was architecture, finance, and then the third one was for civil engineering. And I remember just looking at all three of them and I was like, what is the most broad of these? Um, what could I uh, apply for that will uh, allow me to do pretty much anything I wanted in, in the future. So I applied for finance at that point in time. And that was, of course, after like hours and, and days and weeks of me discussing with my family members, trying to figure out what the right step for me was. Uh, in, in hindsight, I think that I definitely made the right decision uh, to not uh, box myself into a particular uh, to a particular area of study. The finance uh, the finance and economics uh, degree that I have today, I think has really allowed me to explore so many different avenues and um, really find what I'm very much interested in, um, in like going forward. And, and this is the thing, you know, a lot of young people go, oh, I have to choose something, I have to do this or I have to do that. And they stress themselves out thinking, okay, and the, you know, and, and they think they have to go into a serious mm-hmm. uh like you said, a a serious, you know, line of uh, industry or business or work. Um, But you, you, you are somebody who was just like, I'm going to try this. It doesn't matter if I fail, Mm -hmm. I'm going to try this, I'm going to go for it. Um, And it was interesting because you were doing uh, finance and your professor had some interesting (laughs) advice for you. So what did he say? So um, he basically told me, uh, I don't think this is for you. And as you rightfully mentioned earlier on, I mean, I do tend to put myself in awkward situations and really just own it in a way. Um, I didn't I didn't take it in a way that someone who's older, who is of this industry, is probably seeing that seeing something that I'm not seeing. Uh, I just thought, well, if he thinks that, I just need to try harder. You know, I just need to try um, to prove him wrong in the sense that I am very much interested in finance. Uh, I don't think that I was get, I was a straight A student, which is probably why he, um, he he thought that this isn't for me. But I think this this also comes from my background in in American education, which is listen if it's if it's not for me after my two three years of doing this, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, I can kind of go back and try something else out. Uh, and I remember sharing my my concerns with my parents and uh, my dad stepped up really at that point and he was like, you know what, whatever you need help in, um, I'm going to come down to Sharjah like on a weekly basis or on a daily basis just to kind of help you get there if this is something that you're still interested in. Because your dad is literally a pioneer in, in this area. Definitely, know, and yeah. Mashallah. And, you know, the, he is a source of strength that, that you got to draw on, which mm-hmm. is sometimes a little bit unusual you know to have such strong support he was like what do you mean you're not cut out for this he, he wasn't having any of that yeah exactly I mean um, but I, I would say both my parents are definitely of a cut of the same cloth in this in the in the sense that they wouldn't stand for something that was uh, they wouldn't stand for anybody that were telling their kids that they can't do something so I mean my dad literally did the drive um, 
once every few days whenever I was having trouble with um, a particular finance uh, question or um, some some homework or a project. And he, he did the drive down to Sharjah. And I really appreciated that, uh, just given the fact that he would try to simplify it. And then I would have regular calls with my mom where she was like, hey, if, like you can definitely do this. Like You've gotten through um, the, the American education system. You, you can do anything you want. And at the end of the day, I mean, she also kind of gave me the comfort that if you decide this isn't for you, it's really not a big deal. Like they, they made me feel as if failure was not failure because I could do something else. It's pretty incredible. But, you know, that's not a lot of parents' outlook. It's like, okay, you're going to go and be an engineer or a doctor or whatever. And if you fail at this, it is the yeah. end. Yeah. But, you know, they had the completely different kind of outlook towards that. And that's that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Imagine if we had more parents like yours thinking that way and just going okay this is an actual this is an experience that is going to build you yeah definitely I think I think that what what helped out as well is that my dad tried a number of different um tried out a number of different industries as well so he started out his uh his career in oil and gas uh, like I think a lot of people in the region did at the time uh but then also did real estate and did um uh, work for the environmental agency so I think that given that he was quite flexible in his career, it really gave us the opportunity to say, well, if this isn't really something I want to do, I can kind of jump jump over to another industry. And my mom's background is actually in, in um, psychology. So I think that she also very much understood um, what goes on in our minds when, when we are feeling a certain way or feeling a little bit helpless or feeling like we need a lot of help in a particular area that we're, um, we're kind of struggling in. Yeah, I, I just love that so much. And you were drawing on all of that. But we're going to come back in just a moment, Haif, uh, with you and, and talk about uh, what your dreams are right now, what you're achieving right now, what your dreams are right now, particularly as we do celebrate with you. International Women's Day. Lots more to come here on Life Beats. Pulse 95. Life Beats with Sally Musa only on Pulse 95. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Life Beats show with Sally Musa and me, Wa'el Sayer. It is Women's International Day, and we are delighted and honored to have in the studio our very own Haif Abdullah Zemzem, who's been really impressing us with her story, her beginnings. Uh, the challenges that she's had to face uh, and we're learning quite a lot aren't we Sally? Just amazing I love this so much and um, definitely something to to listen back to later on as well. Absolutely Mm. absolutely. And in terms of hey for you something that you talk about a lot is the way that we need to normalize seeing women in these kind of industries in the energy sector in business what do you mean by that and Kind of, you know, what challenges have you faced, you know, throughout your career, whether it's in study, whether it's in in work? So talk to us about your experience there. Sure. So I'll probably, uh, if you don't mind, I'll answer that um, the other way around. So I'll talk about the, the challenges first. First of all, I mean, I'd like to say that uh, I probably... I- I'm sure that I don't account for or speak on behalf of the majority of women. Um, I do know that specifically in industries such as energy um, and other industries that are much more male dominated, there are um, there are hurdles that women have to jump through. Personally, I honestly haven't really faced any challenges in my career, and I think that is due to the normalization or the way that I normalize um, myself in these uh, industries. I think it's also um, it's also worth mentioning, of course, that. Given the fact that our leadership is really kind of uh, has built a a um, 
a modus uh, of operating in terms of how they are role models when it comes to women empowerment. Uh, but other than that, of course, there's, uh, there's the individuals, both men and women that I've worked with, that have completely normalized the fact that I'm a woman or if there was my counterpart who's a male, they just expect good work. You know? And if there's, there isn't that standard of uh, work, then um, we wouldn't be in the positions we are today and we wouldn't be in the uh, industries that we are today. So the way I see it is I don't, I, I don't really acknowledge the fact that I'm a woman. Of course, I am a woman, but I don't acknowledge it to a degree that um, I expect people to treat me differently than my peers. Um, I expect actually the same exact level of responsibility. Um, I assume that responsibility as well, uh, whether I'm a male or a woman. Uh, so that that's really what I'm, I mean. The, the concept of normalizing it is is really just quite simple, I would say. Uh, and I think it's simple for in the sense that if everyone adopted it, I think it would just be norm, you know. So if you don't really acknowledge um, the, the the differences that, of course, that diversity brings to the table, then it is it is in essence normal. So if when when what I get from what you're saying there is that good quality work doesn't have a gender, whether it's produced by a male or whether it's produced by a female, it's just good quality work. But if you encounter people at work that I'm sure you, you, you do, or students that come up to you to ask for advice, and they do play that card, so to speak. They play the card of, I can't do this because I'm a woman, or the odds are stacked against me because I'm a woman. And, and of course, that, that, that is a reality that is true to them. What would you say to somebody right now that's listening that may be feeling that? So definitely, I, get, I mean, one, 100%, I do think that, that good work sees no gender. Uh, secondly, I do get a lot of women or younger women um, who are starting out in their career or about to start their career um, asking me questions about gender balance or the lack thereof in certain industries. Um, the way I see my role is I, I take my role very seriously in the sense that I acknowledge that I am a leader in my in my industry. I acknowledge that I have a seat at the table, and I acknowledge that I'm able to use that seat to speak for other women and speak for other individuals that might be facing certain issues. So the fact that people do come to me, I feel that I'm able to 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 um, retell their stories in a certain way, and then I'm able to change the system from the inside, if that makes sense. So the way I see it is. I take their stories, I share it, but then I allow um, I allow them the the um, flexibility to create their own realities when they're bringing their own seats to their own tables. Because I'm not I'm not going to be in this industry forever. I'm not going to be around forever. Uh, they also need to then take ownership and start to normalize for themselves. Uh, but definitely, I think that that it is important to bring up these issues. And if nobody was to talk about it, then people would feel like there is no problem whatsoever, which I would also think is is not true. Well, exactly. That's why we have International Women's Day to begin with, because there are, you know, a multitude uh, of issues that we do need to deal with as societies, you know, on multiple different levels. But for you, um, Haif, I want to ask you why you think it is so important actually to have women in leadership to have women at the table to have diversity uh, within these sectors sure i think studies have shown that at, at the very core of it having a diversified table is uh, key to 
increased commercialization. And at the end of the day, what is a business if they're not trying to find more commercial value for the organization or for the shareholders and stakeholders that they're representing? So if, if nothing else, you will earn more money if you have women and people of different backgrounds at the table. It helps your bottom line. A hundred percent. You know, so I can't imagine selling that idea and then people saying, well, I still don't want women at the table. I think that's just, it's, it's ludicrous, you know? Um, so the, the importance is not only, of course, the, the commercial and the financial aspect, but it's just being able to think about things differently. Um, so many times, I mean, early on when I, when I joined the table, I would say, uh, I, thought about things and I was like, no, no, I'm sure I'm sure that this idea has been um, mentioned before. So I'm not I'm going to shy away a little bit from mentioning it. But then I take it. I take a second and I'm like, well, again, my role here is to actually question things, to challenge things, it's to bring different ideas to the table. And when I mentioned, you know, that idea that I was probably a little bit shyer about sharing, um, I realized that it wasn't discussed before. So again, I think the, the idea of just being more creative in whatever industry that that you're sitting at um, is important and that's where the commercial value comes and and i think it's got to do as well with that uh, idea of um again i feel like it comes back to this whole thing of underestimating the value that you can bring to the table particularly for women Mm -hmm. they do that more than men do uh so many studies have shown the way that that men talk about themselves the way that they talk about their work they promote themselves they're extremely good at doing that where women kind of take a back seat uh, a lot of the time and and will kind of you know because that's how we're generally conditioned mm-hmm. so you know how how would you look at kind of breaking that so i think that imposter syndrome is a hundred percent a reality and i would probably say I'm, i'll be the first to say actually that i probably uh, face imposter syndrome and feel that every day. You know, I look around the table, I'm like, how am I sitting here with these individuals? How am I, you know, in class with these um, geniuses that are around me? But I realized very quickly that everybody is asking that question. It's not only because of me as Haith um, or as me as a woman. It's everybody has has those insecurities. About themselves. About themselves. Not about you. No, not about yeah. me. No, I think people love having me at the table. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but I think, I think, first of all, just acknowledging that Everybody has those insecurities uh, and allowing yourself to have that minute to freak out in a sense, to sit down and be like, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? And then reminding yourself after that minute is over why you were brought in, you know, Um, and then really just owning it. I think that that one of the things that I've told um, my my younger colleagues, both male and women, is um, something that I, I have lived by uh, is fake it till you make it, you know, and I think that that's probably not the best piece of advice that people look to um, from like a more senior individual, but it is something that I live by. Uh, I, I think that being giving yourself the, the chance to freak out a little bit, but then move from that and then, you know, show them why you're there is important. Uh, hey, f- uh, just anybody looking at your resume, anybody looking at your list of accomplishments, mashallah, will see a very qualified, 
experienced individual, uh, whether it's your accounting and finance, it's some serious work. Uh, but I think anybody who meets you in person will feel, uh, and Sally will back me up, I'm sure, will feel a, a creative energy, an artistic creative mm, flow. For sure. And I would like to discover and hear about how uh, the arts and the culture uh, may help you, um, not necessarily in the in the workplace, uh, but, but, but how it comes into your life and makes you perform better at work which always adds to the tables mix and obviously to the bottom line so i'd love to discover a little bit about that sure so um i definitely appreciate the arts i love the culture and again i think this kind of goes back to my roots of being from Sharjah and this place being of course the hub for culture and education um i think that culture, arts, museums are so far away from my everyday that when I am able to escape into those worlds, um, I can truly appreciate it for what they are. Uh, And it really kind of rejuvenates me in a way that I bring that inspiration into the workplace, you know? So it's not that I go into work the next day and I talk about uh, certain art pieces or certain Arab artists or something like that, but um, I think that refreshed... um, that that ability to be able to walk into a museum and be taken away to another world and really look at things and think about things differently uh, gives me the the little break from the reality that I, that I live on a daily basis um, and I'm able to perform better the next day. Something that uh, I want you to kind of um, finally talk about is the future because you're really passionate about uh, empowering women here in the GCC particularly. So what would you like to see happening? What would you like to see changed? And what do you want to tell everybody? Sure, so um, I, I had a quick chat actually uh, a few weeks back with uh, my niece who's uh, turning eight in uh, next month. And she was watching one of my videos that my dad had shown her. And she was just so amazed. And all I think about is I wish to be the person that this niece thinks of me as, you know. Um, I wish to kind of continue to inspire her and others of that generation so that they can be the truest forms of themselves. Uh, I think that, again, the UAE uh, knows no boundaries when it comes to women empowerment. And uh, I think that that we have no shortage of role models. Uh, They might not be continuously uh, talked about, but if we just look within our families, like our grandmothers are really incredible human beings. Um, the, The change that they've had to live through, our mothers and the change that they had to see in the last 30, 40 years is also equally incredible. So I think that being able to, on International Women's Day or any other day, being able to really celebrate those pioneers in whatever um, form or whatever industry or environment that they were in is something that I would like for for the future generations to continue doing. Um, Nothing comes easy to to anybody, again, both men and women. I would love for for more men to to celebrate International Women's Day and speak about um, their, their successful women in their families. Uh, So I think, again, it's just about continuing the conversation and continuing to normalize um, for the future. Incredible. We could just, you know, talk to you all day. It it is fantastic. I love that we're going to leave off on that note. Uh, But hey, what an absolute pleasure to have you with us here in the studio on International Women's Day. Thank Thank you you very much. much. Thank Thank you. you. Amazing. 
This is Pulse 95. Tune in live every weekday from 10am.